0: Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are in fact adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promised to pleep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan.
1: Hot whiz hot shot. Welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. For another week, we are so happy to have you. I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And uh, yeah, we got it. We're we're old school style today. It is OG movie show with Joel and Ryan. Fun and games only today. Yeah, it is uh, just the two of us. Um, And we uh, yeah, and we're going to be we're we have a I think it's a fun idea. Ryan came up with a really fun idea. I ran with it. I think hopefully you'll enjoy it. We're going to try something new a little bit later. But uh, but first. we're going to just you know i i it's been a while since we have uh, recapped um some of the things that we have been watching um currently oh, yeah. um so what have uh, you been watching um probably the big thing was uh last week was the final episode of the Mia Farrow Woody Allen documentary on um, oh, yeah. on HBO Max that was uh really well done really disturbing um And uh, has sparked some fun debate because you know, people, Woody Allen is just one of those people that if you love Woody Allen, you are a pretty rabid Woody Allen fan. Um, and so it has it continues to spark that debate of well, a are these are the allegations of sexual abuse true, but then if they are true, it's it's that same argument with Roman Polanski and um and and some of the others like how do do you hold the person versus the art so it's all it's all fascinating um yeah
2: it's hard when you read especially well i know a lot about the woody allen thing because there was you know none of not much of that and even in the hbo doc is news you know that's all that information's all out there i think that I think by actual news sources, those sorts of things tend to get framed in very simple ways. And when yeah. you sit down and really dig into it and learn about it, it, you know, it is crazy. Uh, Polanski's the same thing until you really know the details of his crime. It's not enough just to say what happened. You, The details are important. How it came about. It, it, it's chilling to read. Mm-hmm. And of course he fled prosecution and went to France and, Yeah. You know, so he, but he, he's also been somewhat contrite about it, even though his, his sort of artistic arrogance gets in the way of that all the time. Like he can't, Mm he, and, and and that, I think that's human nature. You can't be sorry for something and yet not instinctually want to defend yourself. I think it's always been hard these days. It's particularly hard to actually apologize for something, right? You know, it's rough. And his victim doesn't even, kind of just wants it to stop. So I, I've, but Alan's never really, I mean, he doesn't speak about it at all. But they, the, the interesting thing in the HBO doc is that, the, you know, they have him on tape. And yeah. I have to say, it's, even though he doesn't incriminate himself exactly on tape, it, the tapes really make him out to be, a villain in the story in a way mm-hmm. that I think people really try not to avoid that. Yeah. With him, if you're a big fan or, you know, it's, it, it's, that yeah. stuff's interesting. It's unpleasant, but it's, it's, it is interesting and it. And it is, it is a digestible way. Those documentaries that we're mm-hmm. seeing, HBO is doing fantastic ones. Really. All of them are really, really good where they really bring a lot of information to you. Yep. Um, that's so that's interesting. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I don't mean to talk about it when I haven't no. even watched it, but no, it, I mean,
1: it's just, it's a well-done documentary. Obviously it is uh, you know, it is Dylan Farrow's story essentially. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very much from her point of point of view. Right. And, and, but
2: nobody, so, there's nobody on the other
1: side that even wants to talk no, about they it. They didn't. So. And they, yeah, they didn't talk about it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've been watching that one, a uh, couple other great documentaries, there's a new documentary about Pele, um, and it's uh, it's brand new, it's wonderful, um, if you're, you know, he's, again, he's an icon of sports, and um, uh, yeah, and it, 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 and it really focuses on just his time with the Brazil national team, and it's that was a, a, a really interesting way to frame talking about his, his career. Uh, and then, um, yeah, then there's another one. It uh, was a death. <laughs> it's, called, uh, it's called murder among the Mormons. And that's a, it's a true crime, you know, uh, documentary. I, I laugh because uh, when I first proposed watching it, my wife said, why do I want to watch something? Why do I want to watch murder among the morons? Cause she just misread it. And, and I'm like Mormons, <clears throat> Mormons. And she's like, oh yeah, that sounds interesting. Let's watch that.
2: <laughs> I want to watch Murder Among the Morons. And that's what so. I said.
1: I'm like, I kind of want to watch Murder Among the Morons. <laughs> that, that actually sounds really cool. Um, again, yeah, these are, you know, and that, and that one is, it follows the, um, the true, you know, that sort of true crime, um, you know, hits all the, hits all the, the plot points of, um, of a, True crime documentary with twists and turns, and this one's a little bit more. Um, uh, it, like, I think their big twist isn't such a big twist. I mean, it. it Is it
2: that the killer drank caffeine?
1: No, because that would no, be awesome. It, if, yeah,
2: if that really was the cause of the murder among the Mormons.
1: Yeah. He wore he wore uh, you know publicly bought underwear or something. <laughs> uh, and that was uh no it, it so it just it's forbidden. it was very yeah it was just very it was you know it was interesting it it of course it um uh if you don't know uh, well if you know a lot about the mormon religion or if you are just sort of interested but in this you know in in the you know the church of latter day saints just as a you know a concept you don't know much about it does a decent job sort of giving you a basic overview of of mormonism and the things that they that the that mormons hold sacred um and uh and how somebody can use that to uh to try to for their political or i mean not political but uh their financial gain so um yeah i found those i I, so yeah again big big surprise joel's watching a lot of documentaries
2: i can't Um, do documentaries especially these days the less reality that comes across my screen the better Yeah, even though I sort of appreciate them we're in such a great era for that stuff you know there's always Mm -hmm. been really good ones going back but there's so many choices and there's so many interesting stories and Mm -hmm. all these different platforms that want content are you know they're a lot of uh, most documentaries frankly come and go without a lot of fanfare but every once in a while one hits and because they're not that expensive a thing to do it it's kind of like the old the old early 70s studio system you just throw a little money there throw a little money at that guy Mm -hmm. see what they come up with and you know maybe you probably have something that hardly anyone will care about but you might have uh what's the motorcycle movie that was such a big hit that's so terrible that everybody loves
1: a motorcycle movie that's terrible that everyone Yeah, It's loves. about
2: mo- kind of about motorcycle gangs. It's got Peter Fonda and Jack Nicholson. Oh,
1: oh, oh, um, um Easy Rider.
2: Yeah, Easy Rider. That's like four dollars basically to the studio. Yeah. It's like here. And Easy Rider became this thing that
3: mm-hmm.
2: keeps the gift that keeps on giving. It's popular. People still are interested in it. It still makes the studio money. Like that, yeah. every once in a while you hit on that. When your investments are small, it you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it that you're willing to take some chances that that yeah. movies aren't like that anymore, but docs are still like that. It's like, well, you know, they, a lot of people want to tell a really weird story that, that a suit can't imagine anyone's interest in. They got to go out and raise their own money and stuff. But if you're an industrious person, you can raise enough to do a decent documentary. And if you do a great job, you can win an Oscar. And
1: yeah, it's the kind of thing, um, you know, the, the biggest investment uh, and out, you know, like a studio would make his time You know, it just takes longer to do a documentary Because right. you're, you know, you're, you're chronicling all of this You know, in theory, it, like depending, of course, on the type of documentary um, You know, if you're trying to follow the journey of something um, yeah. You know, you just have to invest time um, So also, uh, I, I do, I, at a future episode We are going to talk about the Oscar nominations that came out this week uh, we will we will get into that uh, closer to the um, the actual air date of the uh, of the academy Awards. I haven't even
2: looked to see what was nominated did is geostorm nominated for anything
1: uh no geostorm I believe was snubbed again um, or yeah, I know so.
2: that's from about four years mm-hmm. ago but I keep thinking
1: it's gotta, surely it's, it's got to break through at some point right um is... I do want to but I do want to get, since we're, you know, and again on documentaries, uh, do want to give uh, love to a documentary called Crip Camp. It's about yeah. a camp for, uh, for people with intellectual disabilities and, um, and physical disabilities. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it, as, as a subject that is very close to my heart, I love it. I'm so happy it was nominated, uh, and that's still available on Netflix. Uh also real because so,
2: you're you're the fourth person now saying how oh, you gotta watch oh, that.
1: Yeah, it's so good. It's and it's yeah, it's one of those where you're just like you know, obviously I watched it through a veil of tears with my eyes all just kind of got glazed over. Um also uh was able to catch Judas and the Black Messiah. Is it good? Um it, it was it was really terrific. Yeah, it was really terrific, uh That's- fascinating. <laughs> Part of the yes. Warner
2: Brothers uh, direct-to-streaming slash the- mm-hmm. theatrical releases of the year. Obviously, a huge one came out yesterday, the, the Zack Snyder's four-hour Academy Ratio Justice League. Yeah. Um, and and others, there was that Denzel Washington film. Like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. these aren't making a big dent in the theaters, but that one looked particularly cool. A- mm-hmm. And a little out of season, I think, because of... Just because the, the times we live in are so weird, you know yeah. what I mean?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I didn't, I don't, you know, never I have known a lot about the Black Panthers. Um, and this is uh, the way
2: to learn year. about them in a dramatic sort of, rather yeah. intense biopic kind of
1: yeah. setting. And and um, and yeah, and a and a series of, really just really terrific performances by some actors that I was you know, previously unaware of. No, I'm looking um, forward to that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I saw and, a few I,
2: of the Oscar nominations back at the holidays, but anything that's come out since I haven't, or, yeah. or that has reached the general public since I've been woefully ignorant of. So, and it's weird. Oscars in April is weird. They yeah. really should be over. It shouldn't be mid year where we're talking about last year's movies. It's the whole thing is yeah. odd. I know mm. that's strange, but I, I wish they hadn't made when they were going to do their Oscars based on the hopes of having a ceremony, which I don't think they're going to be able to have anyway. No. So no. It, it sort of bums me out because I think it'll be
1: like, because I, the I, pageantry
2: I, of the ceremony and the 18 million commercials and the cuts to the audience, I, maybe I'm off a little bit. I guess people mm-hmm. love the red carpet and stuff, but. I think they'll do
1: what they did with the Golden Globes is they'll, you know, it'll be like, we're going to invite an audience of first responders and, you know, people who have been vaccinated, but the, the, you know, celebrities uh, will be be a lot
2: more people vaccinated by then. But I just don't know how you can plan for now what you don't know is going to happen a month from now.
1: Yeah, I also think that, yeah, totally, it would be... it would be a misstep. I, I think I, I, I don't definitely think
2: agree with that. Yeah. Who's people wearing what gown ready. and stuff yeah. at this point in this year. Uh, it's just, I, again, people really get into that, but I can't imagine and, that's
1: And it will be fun to get back into it next year, but I, I still don't, I don't think that we're, we're, <laughs> at a place me- mentally where yeah, as a country, where we
2: want can... to see the rich and famous on parade yep. exactly yep. right now. I so have agree. you watched,
1: have you watched the the Snyder cut of justice league? Have you invested no, four no. hours? I
2: haven't had a spare four hours <laughs> to sit down and I actually want to sit down and watch it. You know, I like Zack Snyder. Uh, he's a, he's overwrought and over the top, but comic books tend to be that. I've always said, I, I like the, recreation of comic panels and his the the artistic way at which he uh, approaches that sort of movie making so, you know and it, so it all ultimately depends on if the story is awesome or not mm-hmm. we already kind of know the abbreviated you know studio sanctioned version of the story which yeah. is not hot so making it twice as long, like, I don't know how much better that can make it per se, but yeah, sure. I'm interested in it. It's I'm interested too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, but it I'm not, a, i my expectations are in check. I mean, I'm not expecting it to be, right. Right. You know, cause even the idea at the time, it has still has all the problems that it had back then. It's, it's seems rushed to do a team up movie that you haven't, earned very much especially one that's on the heels of a really divisive the batman versus superman film and mm-hmm. it just it's it, it'll be tough to see but i think it'll I, it, I think it'll definitely show you that even at four hours even with the sides cropped on your tv like you're watching an old mary tyler moore episode <laughs> yeah. you know it, it, all that Even with all these weird, stupid choices, let the artist do their thing, you know, Mm. and on that level, I get on that level, you get a lot of executives involved in the process. But, you know, when you're spending two billion dollars or whatever, but I'm telling you, it's always better when you just let it be what it's going to be. You you can't. I don't know of any times where a studios have... I can't think of any time where a studio has come in and a bunch of executives have come in with some hired gun and made a movie, even one that was out of control, better. Mm -hmm. Heaven's Gate is still better longer. Uh, Once Upon a Time in America is better the way it was supposed to be edited. You didn't fix anything. You just made it... You made a bad thing the most horrible possible and then... You know, sometimes these phoenixes grow out of that, but I don't know that this will be a case of that. I just think that leave leave the artist alone. Now, to be fair, Zach stepped down; his daughter died. I mean, it's very tragic. So,
1: I think that's well. Frankly, that's that's got to be the only reason to you know the circumstances of him stepping away are the only you know that's part of the story to me. It is. It is like okay, now he's getting a chance to do the movie that he was hoping to do um, you know before. And, and that to me is part of, it, and that's a, a part of me that you know, and again, a, a fan as a fan of comic book movies, I'm like, yeah, I want to see what 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 did he originally have? Can you can you talk, uh, I mean is, is it possible to talk briefly because I don't know how interesting this will be. Why did he, I mean is there a reason for the four to three um, ratio? Watch he shot movie. it
2: almost entirely with IMAX cameras.
1: Okay, so that's so okay.
2: It, so that's which why is it not looks... yeah, which is not quite Academy ratio, but it it's it, you know, it, it, Zach's films. I believe all of his films have only ever been shot in scope, and he's a master, really, at framing in that. He
1: does, yeah. He puts together a gorgeous picture on that yeah. screen. That, that is one thing I I don't think. Even his detractors uh, could could take away from him. So,
2: but he wanted to do, he saw something that just blew his mind, and he wanted to do this a lot more IMAX okay. footage. And the IMAX footage is, I can't remember exactly what it is, like 1.5 or something, so it's much yeah. closer to that old ratio. So when you open up the mat, what you get is that, and that's all yeah. he's doing. He's just not playing with the frame at all. He's, he's opening it up at least that part of the footage and then the rest of the footage he's reframing, you know, but I, Mm. I trust him to do that. I don't like reframed movies, but this really isn't what this is. This is sort of this here guys, this is everything that we got. And, and actually, when we watch it this way, we, it looks kind of cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I didn't, I'm like when I, when I read or uh, yeah, read that it was in, in that ratio, that aspect ratio, it's like, uh, okay, that's, interesting choice and i I just didn't know it's very Um,
2: strange i mean there have been a few movies done that way throughout the mm -hmm. years and and a bunch recently a lot of if you go to our halloween episodes or a lot of these horror movies are are shot in this old monster movie framing and it's it's interesting visually but i this is the first big time you know event film that that that's even an option for right so that's that's why it's that way. It's it's because of the the action footage, all the digital shots. There's plenty plenty of the four hour runtime where there's nothing living or no camera mm-hmm. involved in in the frame whatsoever. It's just digital madness. So that stuff's easy to adjust, and uh, especially if you're doing if you're doing a complete re edit of a movie and you're doing all those effects, not from scratch. Mm-hmm. But there's almost yeah. nothing that whedon did on the movie that they kept
1: right yeah i've read that too he
2: just i mean that's unusual too usually when you go revisit a film you're like well i wrote and shot the plates for this sequence they finished the effects i'll i'll take those you know whatever but they they're just like no i don't even want to i mean snyder very famously has not even watched that version of the movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is crazy to me but it's true um Goyer and Christopher Nolan basically sent him a text and said, have you seen it yet? And he's like, no. And they're like, don't, don't see it. It'll, it'll, you don't need that really? in your life right now. It'll break your heart. Oh, wow. And, and he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's never seen, he's never even seen the abomination in which he rips on in public, you know, uh, it's well, that, an interesting yeah, story. Be... Maybe we'll do a deep dive into the differences between versions and all the, drama behind the scenes because there's a ton of that sure we try and not do get into that kind of thing on this show because we're not reporters and you always feel like we're going to go down i mean at least that's how i feel i feel like we're going to go down some path of you know the, the stuff that happened between the producers and and um uh the fella who plays cyborg and right like you know, we can read and repeat what we've seen, but we don't know. We're yeah. not.
1: Yeah, to, and 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 all of that is is interesting in its own way. To me, the it is I do the only behind the scenes thing I truly do find fascinating is that Zack Snyder, because of the crazy horrible circumstance by which he had to step down, was essentially by popular outcry. Was allowed to was given the money and the resources to create this movie.
2: Well, uh, for what uh, was thought to be a fairly unpopular franchise, because right, in, in, in right. nerddom, you can look at the raw numbers of the people who saw Batman versus Superman, and then you can look at the people who claim to like it. It's a fairly highly rated audience film. But the noise about it, Joel, and we talk about this on the show all the time. The noise about it is definitely negative,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: because of that, it that's its rep, and that really is how things work these days. So to find out that people want that there were people wanted a sequel to that, and that they wanted it to be good, and that they thought there could be some integrity in, in rebuilding it, and mm-hmm. that the studio said, the studio got in a lot of trouble over a couple of these scandals, just said. Let, let's do it. And basically paid for a whole nother movie. Yeah. to Because the, like I said, all this effects footage, all this stuff, it all had to be done. I mean, somebody had to flip the bill for it again. And that's, we saw that a little bit with Solo, a Star Wars story, which also has mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy behind the scenes business. But that happened where it was like, we need to salvage this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: This happened way after the fact.
3: Yeah. Uh, and the it.
2: Justice League that hit theaters a few years back, I mean, it's it is it's not a it's not just like unwatchably terrible, but it's just you just feel the gross sort of pandering compromise in every frame. It, when you're watching it, um, you, it, yeah. it, it, it feels <laughs> condescending in a way that that. In the op very as a response to Batman versus Superman, which feels baffling at times, but never feels like it's just explaining everything to you because you're such an mm-hmm. idiot, and and Justice League really feels that way. It's like it's like a movie made by suits for suits. Yeah, and it it just is just criminally bad in that way. And uh, and the the exercise of the new director brought on board. That's interesting. Uh, why would he take that job he's a super rich guy it feels like you can only lose by doing it and he's lost big time like Mm -hmm. and it feels like i could be wrong but you know several people from behind the scenes have said it feels like he just like that a lot of this came out of resentment of not wanting to do it well then why do it right i don't understand (laughs) it's it's a it is a fascinating story so we'll see
1: yeah so yeah it, it will be interesting um but I well, haven't oh, seen they, it yet so that yeah. that'll
2: be the key to us doing a show and really talking
1: about this stuff is the but yeah I, I think it is it, yeah it's it's i i i'd look forward to uh,
2: and if you want to do your own research there's a there's a exorcist sequel that was shot by two different directors with the same cast with two totally different stories, one of which was seventy percent all new reshot footage the exorcist um the beginning which is the yeah. reshot version by Rennie Harlan and uh, Paul Schrader's exorcist I can't remember what his is called that's not very helpful of me is it yeah
1: I'll I you know what I oh I want there's I wanted I was about to just blurt it out but I don't think but I'm that's right, so. that's the
2: only time where I remember like a movie came out or a, a movie was like screened for, for a test audience and a bunch of students, And they're like can we fix this and the director writer director in this case was like i i I can't fix it i mean we want to finish a couple effects but this is it this is the movie and they were like well we're gonna have a different guy come in and and redo it this was morgan creek Mm -hmm. studio at the time and they brought in rennie harlan who is the yin to paul schrader's yang of the human race they're nothing alike as storytellers Mm -hmm. and rennie made a pretty decent commercial Exorcist film out of the same material. They're both prequels to The Exorcist. Yeah,
1: I was, uh, I, was I was, right. I was going to say uh, The Exorcist Dominion.
2: Dominion, that's yeah, the other one. That's, that's the Paul Schrader one that was shot and finished first but came out a whole year later. Yep. And, and at the same week as Revenge of the Sith, I want to say, the only movie released in competition with Revenge of the
3: Sith. <laughs>
2: <laughs> kind of fun um yeah it, it, but that's the that small potatoes compared to this superhero stuff i mean it's it's interesting those stories are interesting we'll see what it, this one brings about i'm excited to see it but i just i don't see how that movie that they wrote can be great necessarily but yeah it, it certainly be. could be a whole lot better
1: sure yeah that's a very good point yeah and, and um so yeah it'll be so um before, you know, we, 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 I sidetracked you several, um, I, this is an odd, this again, this is an odd episode of the movie show Yeah, why not? because I sidetracked you into talking about all of these things, frankly, that I've seen. I'm in, so,
2: uh, <laughs> I'm indulging in this cause this is fun, fun to do yeah. a weird episode every once in a
1: while. Um, yeah. So is there any, we've been uh, so tight
2: in, with these big topics and these guests that we've not mm-hmm. been able to just, you know, shoot the BS about movies for a long yeah. time. So that's fun.
1: Uh, is there anything that you have been watching? that you Well,
2: I feel know? weird I, bringing these because this is so antithetical to the current events stuff we were just talking about. <laughs> it really is super antithetical. I watched uh, a handful of movies, a couple of movies from the early '90s, and a couple of movies from 1996, and they 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 were interesting. I the one the first one to talk about is a movie I really loved or I thought I loved for ages, which is um, uh, reversal of fortune.
3: Mm, yeah.
2: Um, which just came out, you know, in high definition and it's been all restored and looks beautiful. It's not, it was never a beautiful movie to begin with, but it, it, because it's shot very matter of factly, even though it shows this world of the super rich or whatever, it, it's still, mm-hmm. it, it's still a very humble piece of storytelling basically. Um, And it was weird. It was weird watching Ron Silver play, uh, what's his face, Um, Alan Dershowitz in it. Right. Because the movie's based on Alan's book, which is very self-serving to him. And Alan Dershowitz and Ron Silver, quite frankly, were entirely different people in 1990 than they were in 2002. They both went through quite a transformation as a result of um, 9-11. And I won't get into what that is because we already talked quite a bit of politics on the show. But um, it was weird watching those guys, you know, watching that, which was my favorite part of the movie. You know, Jeremy Irons won the Oscar for playing Klaus von Bülow and Mm -hmm. rightfully so. He really does a really awesome job. And it's a, just a juicy part that a big over-actor like Irons should just, you know, just yeah. totally attack and be awesome at, and it. It, it truly does work that way. Um, the other big heavy hitter on it, obviously, is Glenn Close, who's, who's narrating the thing from the grave, which is always an interesting mm-hmm. concept that works pretty great in Reversal of Fortune. So I liked it, but I had a whole different... Re- I hadn't seen it in ages. It, the DVD was... Cropped and for television, it looked terrible. I never owned it, so I haven't seen it since I saw the cropped for television version on VHS, which was probably all the way back in college or something. Yeah. So this was me revisiting it for the first time in all those years, and and it was frustrating how how things I knew now encroached upon my enjoyment of it. I guess mm. that was my experience with with it. I was like. It didn't feel like the plucky team of like Harvard <laughs> people, yeah. you know, fighting for justice. It felt like it felt different.
3: <laughs> and, interesting. It, and and yeah. I think
2: if you take that element out of it, all you really have is these rich people vamping <laughs> for two <laughs> hours, basically, which isn't as fun without the counterpoint. So I don't know, it, was, it, was, it was an interesting experience for me. Um, and then two more, which are really interesting, again, were interesting experience to watch. These are movies I had never seen. Um, they were big, huge budget films at the time in 1991 and 1996. They were vanity projects by their star slash producers, or in the case of the latter, a star slash director. Um, they were both spearheaded by women, which... Should be cool. Mm-hmm. But they were both super terrible. One of them was Bette Midler and James Cons For the Boys.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Which was this made-up bio story about a Bob Hope-like guy who who takes yeah. on a, a comedic, uh, awesome singer-sidekick uh, played by Bette Midler and how it tells the story. <laughs> this is where it goes wrong. as a, As a film about... These performers and their drama and whatever—like it could have been a good movie—and when it plays on that level, it's watchable. Where it totally falls down is it? It's a comment on the evolution of warfare through these USO performers, and it's flat wow. out not capable of telling that story in a way. Even the there, there's a scene, and sorry if I'm I'm super spoiling it. So if you Always wanted to watch for the boys, and you never have. In my opinion, right now, means nothing to you. It's still a fascinating movie to check out because it's 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 star vanity run amok. Truly, <laughs> um, it really is. I mean, it's it, it's a bad movie because the star was in charge of every decision, and almost every decision they make uh, goes. It's bad. It's hard to explain, but. There's no vulnerability in any of these characters. They are, go to combat with each other. That's all they are capable of doing. And because of that, we don't... We, the longer it goes, the less and less we care about them, which is really an odd thing. Hmm. Um, but the war scenes, the scene where they're in Vietnam and, and uh, she's watching her son get killed is like, it's like it's staged by teenagers on, on a, on a, on a stage. Truly it's well staged by teenagers, but it it lacks all filming type cinematic sophistication that you need. Just the idea of it is bizarre and an extremely tough sell. And then to make it all kind of choreographed for Broadway just makes it, it just sucks. I don't know what to say. It's, It's a train wreck of a film that by the time it was over, I hated it, but I was glad I watched it because I, you know, I knew about it at the time. It was the kind of movie I would have liked at the time in 91. Hmm. Um, Big production by uh, 20th Century Fox when 20th Century Fox was trying to kill itself for the boys and Shining Through and Alien 3. And there was a whole bunch of films at that time where they were just they were on top of the world because of Die Hard and some other stuff. And they just used that money to almost put that studio in the grave until it was bought out. And this was part of that. This movie's crazy expensive when you're watching it. You can feel it. Huge, you know, huge budget, costume, you know, war. It's all shot in L.A. Everything they had to recreate, Germany, Vietnam, was all built on these sets. And the sets feel huge and expensive, but they feel fake. And the whole movie just feels fake and awful. James Caan and Bette Midler hate each other. And, and that works in the parts, I suppose, where they hate each other. But it's supposed to be, you know, people coming together. You know, it's supposed to be that old school, oh, they hate each other, but they love each other kind of story in it. Or begrudging respect. It's they hate each yeah. other and then they super hate each other. <laughs> There's not a tender moment between them and the entire thing it's it and
1: yeah
2: and it feels like somewhere in there there was supposed to be and it just isn't um and of course they don't love each other they're just but they're a family of a sorts that part maybe works uh it's really Khan is pretty bad in it because he's he's he was the big star coming off of misery who got the role in this mm-hmm. coveted role in this big movie but it just wasn't he had no say in what was happening in that film, so he he was the he was a big star who the other star got to make all the decisions, and and you could just sort of feel that tension between them. Like I say, so that makes it interesting, but it, it's bad. Yeah, and I hate to say that for poor Bet, but you know you've noticed they don't there are no Bet Midler movies after that. They don't let her make movies anymore. I mean the right. studio is just like you're done now. Back to albums with you. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Or if you can hang in there, go back to the stage or something, but you're not, Mm -hmm. we'll cast you in this or that, but we're not, you're not, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, as a Hollywood power broker, you're done. You have zero power. You've gone from 88 power to zero power in one movie. And another movie that that happened to was another movie I had seen, didn't see it at the time, watched it. It's a better movie, in a lot of ways, but it's, it has all this kind of similar problems, which is the mirror has two faces. Oh yeah. Which was, which was the last Streisand movie back in 1996. And there won't ever be another one. Um, and she'd made really good movies up to that point. Academy nominated, uh, Prince of Tides. It's a little, the little, I don't know what you call it. A little much. It's a little syrupy and a little heavy, mm-hmm but it's still pretty good film. Pat Connery novel is good. And Streisand directs a pretty, pretty decent movie where, where unlike for the boys, vulnerability is at play big time in that film. And that, that helps. It mm-hmm. helps. It's, it helps. And it got a bunch of Oscar nominations and it still looks gorgeous and is pretty good. And then Yentl, of course people Yentl's weird because it's a very photo real sort of strange uh, drama with lots of goofy comedy in it but the thing that brings Yentel down for the average viewer is the songs because it's yeah. not even a musical in a conventional sense it's just four times during the movie there's a song that the lead character sings and it's it's, it's totally incongruous with what you're watching <laughs> that that right. happens it right. only happens because the star is really good at singing like i think if you take the songs out yentl's a p- interesting and kind of fun film um with the songs it's just it's a it's a curiosity or it's just i, think I don't that's know a Joel. Way. I it's
3: think that's too easy way. to
2: parody with the songs right right and right. once think, you yeah. can do that once you can just make fun of it and disregard it you don't have much left but, but I, I believe Yentl and I don't mind the songs. I don't care. you, 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 you For me, my money, head. you can break yeah. out into song anytime you want in a movie.
1: Yeah, you hit but, it right on the head. It becomes, because of the songs in that plot... Yeah. In that movie, it curiosity is a great way to put it. It's this interesting thing. You yeah. certainly can say, there aren't a lot of movies like that in the world. <laughs> right, and there aren't. And that's, you know, yeah. And The and
2: closest thing Yentl has is, to a film is maybe Fiddler on the Roof. But right. it's not that. It's something totally different. And because of that, it's, it's weird. The songs make it weird. I don't know what else to say. That's the... But...
1: The That's the consensus about it anyway. Yeah, But the mirror has two faces or la mirror of two faces. That's what it's based on.
2: I don't even know mm-hmm. what that movie's supposed to be. I didn't obviously had not seen the original French version, but it's this weird movie about how this weird mousy chick like hooks up with this sort of awkward professor guy played by Jeff Bridges fun watching Jeff Bridges play a geek or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mostly just because anytime I go back in time with Jeff, I'm like so grateful to see him doing a character that's different than this old Codger character he only plays now, which I hate, which I loved in True Grit and have hated in everything else since. Um, So that was fun because it's a very quirky, smart, antisocial guy that he's playing. It's just not, even in those days, that's not his role. But like James Khan, you can feel the sort of, he doesn't feel like Khan, where he just wants to bite everybody's head off who comes into frame. He feels more like a, an animal who is always looking for a way to escape out the nearest door and <laughs> never appear in this movie again. He has that look in his eyes <laughs> and it, that's in the movie. You know what I mean? That's what makes these films interesting. Like I, if I'd have known they were this interesting, I would have watched them a long time ago but it's the same problem it's the the star of the movie has morphed this into some sort of weird life philosophy that she has which is which is strangely you know where most movies are like this is like kind of the ending of Greece you know that's sort of controversial it's like instead of it's okay to be yourself or and you'll find true love or somebody will appreciate you for what you are it's you have to sort of twist and turn and conform to every conventional idea of what beauty is. And if you do that, all the men in your life will not be able to resist you. And then you can be who you are. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: yeah. I don't know. L- ladies, maybe you disagree, but I just, I found that I found it openingly, crazily offensive when I got, got to the end of this film and I'm not, Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I feel like I am incapable of reading it some other way. Uh, and George Segal's in this movie too. He's in both of those movies. We got to get yeah. him on the show because <laughs> he'll have Never the inside it. dirt on what's going on. <laughs> he uh, he should have had James Kahn's movie in For the Boys because he is Bob Hope, basically. He he could have played that role with some charm and vulnerability. That's mm-hmm. what the role needed. Con who we praised, and I'm not saying Khan's a bad actor or anything, we praised him incredibly back in the Stephen King episode for basically leaving his ego at the door when he did Misery, yeah. which I know was hard for a guy like him, but he did it, and the work is on the screen, and and it's captured forever. It's immortal now, so good for him. He was couldn't do it and For the Boys. I don't know if that's the collaborators or what the deal was, but he just couldn't do it. Maybe it's just the kind of role it was. But it's weird that George Seagal is a bit player in that. He wasn't a big fan at the time or a big star at the time, I should say. Yeah, yeah. He was, you know, just comic relief or kind of a sitcom guy at the time. But he, he's that part, like he would have been great. And when you watch it, all the fans, fans of it say, you know, I don't know who could be a fan of for the boys, but they're out there and they say, oh, that would have fixed everything and people would have loved it then. I don't think so. But they're not wrong that George Segal would have been better. George Seagal would have been better as the weird professor as well. Totally. He would have been, he totally would have been better. He replaced Dudley Moore at the last second. Dudley Moore was fired by Streisand because he couldn't remember his lines, which was because wow. of a disease he was suffering from that eventually killed him. Um, so there's mercilessness involved in that production for sure she was running around like kubrick like shooting the same scene for four days in a row a hundred takes of it and these actors at at a certain point they don't know what to do they can't you know you 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 can't do it a hundred you can't do a scene a hundred different ways that's my feeling i just really feel like no matter who how good you are you can't you Mm -hmm. got within you you've got a few different takes on it and maybe you can get to some place or maybe there's a curve but at a certain point that curve starts going down and once it starts going down that's it you're done yeah. you can't make it better you're you know so killing actors with takes unless you unless the aim is to make them do it to, in a more tired boring way
1: <laughs> yeah
2: there's stories like that too, you know, Nick Meyer yeah. directed, uh, made William Shatner do, uh, to Khan and Wrath of Khan. He made him do Here It Comes like a hundred times until he just did it where he was sick of it. Yeah. Because Shatner's incapable of not doing Here It Comes with like a <laughs> telegraphing yeah. everything. And that's exactly what the director didn't want. So there. There are some cases where exhausting an actor and making them sick of being alive actually make a movie better, but mostly it doesn't do that. <laughs> and this is a film where you feel that exhaustion with the material and you feel like – where everybody's kind of saying stuff, but what's it about? Uh, Lauren Bacall's in it. She's pretty good in it, but she's she's barely in it. That helps.
1: Yeah, I'm remembering. Um, I'm remembering when that came out. Um, uh, people, uh, like that was the big takeaway was Lauren Bacall's performance in it. She's Pretty it good was, in it. She was, yeah, she was wonderful. She's
2: pretty good. We have a little inside information. I happen to know that during the Christmas break during that movie, mm-hmm. that that the leading man of the movie really didn't want to go back to New York and finish that movie, and was actually looking into ways to not do it. Yep. If at all possible. So that's that's the sign of a, for a well-known lifelong professional who's been part of many troubled projects,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's that's a big step for a person like that to take. On his <laughs> they, holiday they had break. to have been really, really miserable.
1: Yep, on his holiday break, he refused to uh, comb his hair or brush his hair because he was so <laughs> tired of being, of even his hair being so micromanaged Yeah, um, on that.
2: And it, you feel it. It, that's mm-hmm. a f- awful movie, and it's that's bad cool. enough that it's like, yeah, you're. That's it. That was your. That's your last chance. We all yep. tolerated you. We gave you all this money. We, you know, we let you thing go two months over, and 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 at that point, this thing mm-hmm. had to have been a hit, and it wasn't, and so, <clears throat> no more yep. Barbara Streis. No more a Barbara Streisand films yeah, ever yeah. again.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now it's, you can, you can be on meet the parents for whatever, but you're, that's it. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Back to, you know what I mean? Back to albums yep. with you, back to music. Maybe to, that's for you, the best. Yep, you can Hard to your, say.
1: Yeah, her residency in Vegas or whatever she was. It, I think it was Vegas or, or she just a big series. It was Vegas. Vegas yeah. Where okay, she yeah. just
2: did this handful of set amount of shows.
1: Yeah. The sit downs. Yeah. But
2: that was, that was. I'm not ripping on Streisand, you no, know. No, not at all. Two out of three of her movies are pretty good.
1: Um, no, she's. I mean, yeah, I, but she. I mean, she is, and I say this without malice. She is a true diva.
2: Yeah, and it, and they gave her a, yeah. they gave her an inch, and she took it a mile, and then that's mm-hmm. that. And
1: and you know, and she is someone who has a very you know who's always had very strong opinions and very strong uh a, a strong outlook and and so to give her an opportunity to direct i mean Prince of Tides was uh you know w- was a pretty pretty good movie and but so Yeah, but Prince of Tides showed... was
2: anchored by the Conroy biographical story which Shit. is which is very powerful. This isn't this is a french mm-hmm. farce that she turned into some weird really weird yeah life philosophy statement that is that is a thing that nobody on this planet can relate mm-hmm. to, and it, 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 it it's weird that it climaxes at that point. It's yeah. it's it's a bizarre film, but if you got two hours and twenty minutes, it's immaculately shot. Lauren Bacall and George Segal are pretty good in it, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's something else. I mean, there's nothing else quite like it, except for the boys a little bit. <laughs> for the boys, it's just so. This film doesn't have that problem. This film's trying to be funny. It's a it's a comedy with no laughs at whatsoever. Mm. Um for the boys is trying to be dramatic and it's just being combative and awful mm. and negative constantly. That film was harder to get through. It was similarly beautiful, you know what I mean? But right. but Mirror Has Two Faces I got bored with, which is criminal, but I never hated it. I was just like, "What? Are you Doing, <laughs> yeah. And when you finally get it, when because the movie's not subtle, it comes out and tells you what it is. And when it does, you just it you kind of can't believe that such a movie is happening. It's that weird a story idea, and you can mm-hmm. call that sort of r- originality. I don't know, but it, yeah, that was two mm-hmm. films I was or a bunch of films. Oh, the good one. There was a good one.
3: There was a good one in would,
2: there that you wouldn't think would be good. This is why I should have wrote him down.
1: Whoops.
2: Uh, up Close and Personal, also from 1996. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's a movie that at the time, you know, it's a, that's a syrupy romance novel of a movie. But that movie holds up really, really well, which you wouldn't think it would because it's a mid-90s movie that takes place in the mid-80s. And it gets the sort of mid-80s fashions correct, which are all ghastly and terrible. And it... It, um, it takes place you know kind of from the past to the present day so not entirely in the 80s but still it's about this this uh, ambitious um, sort of uneducated woman who wants to be on the news and works her way up through it and at some point mm-hmm. in the story she hooks up with this old school, you know, news guy played by Robert Redford who mentors her and turns her into a news superstar yeah. with all of her own strengths and none of his weaknesses. And it's, it's a good movie. I was stunned by how good it was. Cause I, I remembered it. I only really saw it like on cable one afternoon.
1: Yeah. I would say that that's probably where I saw it. Too. Yeah. And
2: I just, rem- and I remembered it being compelling enough that I hadn't intended to watch it. And I watched the thing all the way through to the end. So that part mm-hmm. was true even back then. But I was shocked at like how well made a story it is, how that film clearly started with a script, and how awesome it is to watch a movie like that. That, and it's a key mix of stuff. It a lot of movies start with scripts, but most of them that do these days are are uh, based on the incredible true story. Like Joel's always pointing out, they're 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 biopics. They tend to be very serious movies. Up close and personal is only meant to be super entertaining. That's its whole part, its, its whole plan. Mm-hmm. It isn't meant you know, it certainly reflects some interesting things in life, gender dynamics and this and that. But uh it just wants to entertain you. It's it's a romantic adventure story to some degree. That's very uh, for a change is very tightly on the female perspective and it's it's really good it's a really good film from that era if you don't mind a blast from the past and I've watched a bunch recently I've highlighted some but I watched like what's the one where John Travolta plays an angel and there's there's all these Michael. films from back then yeah. and Michael, a lot Michael. of them are just they're like Ugh, this is what these movies were like yeah. They're not bad because they're all well-meaning and they all have some laughs, but they're these weird, high-concept, star-driven things in an era where it's the concept that would start driving stuff, not the stars. And Hollywood struggled with that balance for a while. But one I really liked is Up Close and Personal's journalistic journalistic thriller slants, romantic comedy all mixed into one yeah which is weird but it works great and uh
1: well it's cool to hear that it's still that it's still pretty you know holds up uh you well know.
2: i just thought it's it's yeah there's nothing like it in today's market I, sure. I i found i yearned for that a story like that uh that movie was a big hit at the time
1: yeah it was yeah
2: a, a movie with that even as its premise wouldn't be a big hit at all it wouldn't even really get a wide release now so it just it sort of showed how times have changed you know um they made a movie a few years ago where redford played mm-hmm. dan rather and it had uh um kate blanchett in it is that right yeah kate blanchett and it was about kind of the fall of dan rather in the wake of the george w bush you know blew off yeah. his is uh his service time in the national guard or whatever the the national air force um that's a brilliant movie and again and i think in 1996 that it would have been on everybody's radar we all would have saw that and that just came and went just with a whimper in our world you can go get it but you can watch it it's out there it's great it's called yeah. uh what's that called
1: trying to look it up here and it's not uh coming up look
2: up redford he only
1: does one movie. yeah that's what i mean even you know oh that's a, his as a director. the truth sorry truth um it's called truth truth yeah it's good I
2: sorry i'm it. i'm a little scattered now I'm, I'm a little all over the place on you but
3: no, that's back. Good. so uh, okay
2: Movies like up close and personal today are good. You should check them out <laughs> yeah. because they may come and go without you even noticing. That's the lesson that film at the time was a huge hit, had the big Celine Dion music video and stuff. Yeah, and Diane maybe-
1: Warren. Yeah. Another <clears throat> Diane Warren song. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Well, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, okay. We're going to shift gears here. Yeah. It's all actually
2: right. with respect to Diane Warren, who I have no respect for that song's really made by David Foster. Diane just wrote the stupid lyrics and he sort of turned it into gold.
1: Hold on. Yeah, yeah, Diane Forster. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Written by Diane Warren, formed by Celine Dion. Yep.
2: Yeah. But he produced that. What, produced by. Yeah. He was producing all the Celine stuff, their fellow Canadians.
1: And David. Yeah. Produced by David Foster. Yeah. yeah so it's. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause well, her yeah, song. I mean, it, it was, that, it was, I mean, it was that epic. It had that epic quality that right. Celine Dion was, it got especially known for um in that in that 90s uh right. that 90s period and she'd
2: been around forever but she was just her big album had just came out before that and her monster album was to come out just after mm-hmm. so yeah it's a little um, little celine dion biography for you there, there you talk go. about things that are weird that are inexplicable celine dion's a great one if you ever can watch an interview with her or whatever i recommend you do it celine dion yeah. is strange she was raised in captivity Uh, in poverty amongst 17 other siblings or something. Mm -hmm. She's her only true love of her life was her manager from that, that took on her talent at when she was like five, who she later married eventually when she was in her mid twenties she's lived a life that isn't like anything else. Anyone, any other human on the planet, we can all say, Oh, our lives are unique.
3: Yeah. But
2: Celine Dion's whole personality and her whole character and her whole performance, the, the, which she, you she's know, she brings her pick. all every time. That's all based yeah. on this crazy one of a kind existence. And yeah. so I don't love her music per se. I don't hate it. It's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's for a different audience than me, but it, but her the anthropology of her is fascinating yeah no she's questions. a biopic
1: waiting to happen yeah for sure um i have a dear friend uh who was a dancer for celine Dion on tour for for like a good a year and a half or two years or something and
2: yeah and don't start a letter rating campaign yeah. against her manager he's dead now she's never no. taken another lover he nope. wait he wait she's a cute girl and he waited 17 years or something before he just sort of eventually let himself be in that relationship mm-hmm. yep. but it was it was her force of will they both say that made it happen yep. it, it's a that's a that's a weird that's strange it is weird and it's Fun, yep.
1: Um, okay, so up next is a we're going to do a new segment here. Uh, Ryan has uh, no idea what I'm, uh, what I've come up with. Oh no! Uh, I mean, it was his idea, but he has no idea of the things I'm. Was not really
2: my idea? It's just well, like, you you made an idea out yep. of a statement I made just in general. Yep. So to be fair, it was Joel's idea.
1: So, um, so is, he gets is, the blame. I get the blame. Yep, yeah, You absolutely. You can, uh, write to us at the movie show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook and at ask Joel and Ryan, uh, on Twitter and Instagram and at ask Joel and Ryan at gmail.com. But go ahead. I'll uh, let you explain it. I don't, don't mean to cut me. you off. I just, no, what, this you're is, not giving uh, yourself
2: enough credit. I had no idea that this was just good. So do the action.
1: idea, you know, so the idea behind this is, is I'm going to ask Ryan a question. Uh, most of these are multiple choice questions. And uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan can then, you know, if he needs clarification or if he needs parameters on that will help him make a des- his decision, he can ask <laughs> me follow-up questions. Nice. Um, but, but it started
2: it, with the premise that we don't get any questions from you guys anymore. You just, yep. You've just left us out here. We don't even know if you're listening to us anymore. <laughs> so that makes us sad, <laughs> just as a general note to the listenership. We used to get questions every once in a while. But, but the mm-hmm. questions, un- unfortunately, and I, this isn't to criticize the, our fans' interaction with us or whatever, but I just, the questions were always, uh, name a movie that. Sure. Which are really yeah. hard to answer those questions on the spot, which is part of what we like to do. Name a movie that, you know, is the best at this or whatever. I am, My brain, when you ask me a question like that, goes, okay, here's all the movies I've ever seen which fits this predisposed Mm -hmm. categorization that you're giving me. And Mm -hmm. that's overwhelming and not fun for me at all. So I want to come up with the perfect answer. And because I do, I just, I like an engine. I just jam up basically. But I told Joel, I said, it doesn't have to be like that. I I can answer and we're about to put this to the test. (laughs) I said, because maybe this isn't true, (laughs) but I believe in my heart that yeah. I can answer any multiple choice question that you give me. If, if you give, give me options, mm-hmm. I can pick one and justify it. And I also said, even if I can't, that's at least a discussion in and of itself. Whereas choose from 8 million billion yep. choices, choose yep. the one thing that is thus. I That is d- a difficult question, the way it's framed. This hopefully is easier so and I will have be more come up fun. With-
1: Yep, so I've come up with some multiple choice questions, and in a segment, I'm calling what do you do?
3: What should I do? Call.
1: What do you do? What do you do? Call. I don't know. Call. What do you do? What do you do?
0: What should I do? Call. I don't know. What do you do? Call.
1: What do you do? Call. I don't know. Call. What do you do?
0: Call. You I don't know. Call you do what do you do seriously what should i do i don't know maybe this one you can with this. wow so this, this is, is
2: what do you do oh yep. that's the end that's the end when it when it, um, when it kicked up again i was like holy god it's gonna be another minute of this that was no nope,
1: no nope, i was just i wanted to just have a fade out there that was really fun um all right so what the do you first do? one what do you do you were on a deserted island, Ryan. Okay. Who do, would you rather be stuck on this deserted island with? This is the first one. This is just an either or. So I'm starting you out nice and easy.
2: Cool. True or false. Those are always easy. Pass, fail.
1: Pass, yeah. Who would you rather be stuck on this island with? John McClane from Die Hard. Or Captain Stephen Hiller from Independence Day. Which is Will Smith's character. Ooh. Those are your choices, John McClane, Stephen Hiller. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. I didn't realize Yippie this was.
2: Kay-ay. I didn't realize this was just going to be torture questions.
1: <laughs> well, they're not all torture questions. Um, uh, this one, I, 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 this was the first one I came up with, so that's why it's first on the list.
2: Stephen Hiller. Mm-hmm. I think the the non-alcoholic background will serve us both well on the desert island in a there way that I think with McLean, who I'm more of a uh I think more of a you know cousin to than than Hiller but I do I think Hiller's resourceful um I think his spirit is tough to beat his his jimmer-jammering will drive me insane
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yep.
2: but but uh it, but I think that's true of both people to a certain degree. And I think that, I mm-hmm. think that he's got some qualities that I think will better service on the desert Island and make me a little less suicidal, a little less fast, but that's, that's a, that was a tough one. That is, that a tough is well, that is a tough
1: one. I mean, I, I was thinking of who they're, they're both of their resourcefulness, that, how, how resourceful they both are in their. In they're definitely their, both uh, survivors in the true yep. sense. And, and, and yet they both have some qualities that if you were trapped alone with them, might drive you bonkers
2: from a pure movie making standpoint hiller has the advantage to it that he's captured in time he he hasn't shown up in worse and worse and worse and worse movies <laughs> throughout time and worn out as welcome so
1: <laughs> there is that yeah
2: it, he has a little bit of an edge there as well
1: okay all right second one here we go what do you do several married couples approach you ryan and they're asking you to join them in a romantic assignation.
2: Well, this <laughs> was already off to an impossible start, but go ahead.
1: Do you go with John and Jane Smith?
2: Okay, from, uh, from, from Mr. Uh, Mr. And Mr. and Mrs. Smith.
1: Smith. Yeah. Herman and Lily Munster. Barbara and Oliver Rose from The War of the Roses. Okay. Uh, Clark and Ellen Griswold. All right. Or Ward and June Cleaver.
2: So this is a menage a trois that I'm choosing between these people. Is that just to come right yeah.
1: out and say it? Come right out and say it. Yeah.
2: If you'd have we chosen don't... the Adams family instead of the Munsters, this would be easy. I'll just say, oh, let me start. About... Let me start by saying that
1: I thought about putting Gomez and Morticia on there.
2: That they'd win in that... this field by a country mile. I have to say. Uh, but you didn't. You chose the monsters, and I have nothing the against Munsters. them. They're they're also cool, mm-hmm. um, and they're also the least real, which makes it somehow easier to imagine being around them. In that setting. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, War mm-hmm. of the Roses. That's Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas.
1: Yep. It, yep, it's, absolute. As a yeah.
2: really unimaginative straight guy, it's 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 the guys who are the deal breakers in these couples. By the way, I, I just I'm just gonna say that I'll admit sure. that to everybody. That makes so, sense. I apologize for that, but but that's that's well, the frankly,
1: truth. of of all of the women here, I mean, it, it, for for a yeah, a for a
2: straight person, guy, these ladies are very. These
1: ladies are all good. Yeah, they're very seductive. Um, so they're very yeah, they're all very beautiful um, and interesting. Who who. Who, who was the first one? You know, John and Jane Smith. Brad Pitt,
2: Angelina,
1: Jolie playing. I mean, I'm a completely out of their
2: Spies. league and I'm willing to admit it. So let's cross <laughs> those guys off the list. All right. No Angelina, Jolie, or Brad Pitt for me in a million years. That would never, I can't even imagine it. So what's the fun in imagining it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because just mm-hmm. utter mm-hmm. rejection. Like, I wouldn't even get past their first or second bodyguard in their lives. There's no chance. And if they really were hotshot super spies, I mean, then forget about it.
1: So, yeah, yeah we're So they're about the, the wrong couple in every way. What they're was the, the next characters. one? Uh, Herman and Lily Munster, um, Barbara and Oliver Rose, Clark and Ellen Griswold. Oh from, no, uh, from they're vacation. off the list altogether. Yep. And Ward. I don't and want June... to get in
2: between whatever their issue is. They're it's <laughs> stunning. They're even still married. Um,
1: Ward and June Cleaver.
2: Yeah, we're and gonna go with the, the Cleavers.
3: I think I think I just would go
2: with mm. just for the view behind the scenes back in that time, I just I want to see what a menage a trois in that era with those clean cut folks would be mm-hmm. like, and I feel like I might be not completely out of my element with them. Like I feel like we'd all be fumbling in the dark a little bit, and that, yeah. may, that gives me some comfort.
1: And I have no doubt that Ward Cleaver is an attentive lover. It feels that way. Yeah. Okay, next one. You're not going to pick one? Do? Oh, I, I was, you know, the thing is- I know is, you've like, picked
2: one already, right?
1: Yeah, well, well I Warden June Cleaver, I, I was it was between that. I mean, Herman and Lily Munster, I feel like, um, would be incredibly interesting. Uh, but, you know, the product of their offspring is Marilyn, who is pretty, you know, normal. Maybe they just have a- I, I, Yeah, I but also think that Widow's
2: they, peak boy. Don't yeah, forget, there's have cra- more the, than one kid.
1: Barbara and Oliver Rose from War of the Roses. That anger and that crazy might make for a crazy night like a bonkers experience. Yeah. like I, think- I said, I'm
2: just not very adventurous. Mm-hmm. I really did yep. pick the, the safest spot I could be in. And I think for my first three way, I really do think that's advisable and smart. I'm just trying to be pragmatic.
1: And that's, Hey, if you can't be pragmatic, then there's no reason asking. What do you do? All right. So the next one is, is you have the opportunity Ryan to go back to a prestigious center for education. Cool. Do do you choose to go back to, Rydell High, which is which is Greece. Oh yeah. Ridge yeah. Ridgemont High, okay. where they have fast times.
3: Uh-huh.
1: I know you won't choose this one. Shermer High, which is the high school essentially from all of the John Hughes movies.
2: Yeah, but go ahead.
1: Okay. Bayside High. Uh which is uh uh, uh it's saved by the bell. Sunnydale high, which is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Or Welton Academy from Dead Poets Society.
2: Uh, I, I I'm gonna choose the 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 Breakfast Club High School actually. Which okay, you, you thought I wouldn't choose because would I'm not a John Hughes fan. Yeah, yeah, yep. But uh, it's in Chicago. It, all of these sure. are in California except the Dead Poets Society one. The Dead which Poets Society Vermont. one is yep. a. a all male school I wouldn't do very well in that setting yeah yeah I I I, I like the idea of having that particular cat as a uh, teacher and being in that version of um of uh what's the Shakespeare they do at the end of that midsummer and stuff yeah (laughs) midsummer I was in a version of Midsummer. I don't know. I just can't remember anything these days. I apologize. Stupid um,
1: sidebar, I saw Midsummer Night's Dream, the RSC version of Midsummer Night's Dream, on Broadway, sitting two seats away from Robert Sean Leonard. Oh, nice. And I totally geeked out going, Oh my god, he did this and was this and we are watching it together. Oh my god. So I oh totally cut out about that. Yeah.
2: Robert Sean Leonard is aces. So there yeah. anyway, that has a lot of appeal, but mm-hmm. it's out of step in time with my sensibilities and and I'm telling you, all the rest of it, Bayside is really tempting. But, yeah. again, let's just be real. Who am I going to be in an episode of, and this is important, <laughs> folks. How would
1: you, uh, Who am, would you am I going to be
2: in, in an episode of Saved by the Bell? It ain't, I'm not going to be one of the romantic, leads least for all the hot chicks in that show. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be some, uh, either be some weird bully villain sidekick Or some kind of weird dude with some kind of problems that they all have to learn about (laughs) during the week. And I don't want to be those things. So I don't want to go to that perfect school where everybody's a beautiful model or whatever.
1: Except for Screech. Yeah, exactly. So that I can be Screech's
2: cousin from Minnesota for an episode. It doesn't, you know...
3: (laughs) Yep.
2: <laughs> and they can all learn to accept me and then get rid of me as soon as possible yes. and beyond to other things. Yes. So, um, but I,
1: yep, audience, Google Zach Morris's trash and watch those <laughs> episodes. It's there, but it was fun.
2: tempting. It was tempting for a moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh, yeah, yes, that's, that's where I'm
1: going. Yeah. You know,
2: but look at yourself in the mirror, Ryan. I, I you know, yeah. you're not, you're not, you're not Bayside material, let's face it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick the Breakfast Club school. That school kind of looks like my school looked. It's in the you Midwest.
1: Probably, yeah, you probably um, would do well. I hope that, I don't. I'm
2: a, a few years back from those assholes in the Breakfast Club, so hopefully I don't run across any of them specifically.
3: Sure. Mm-hmm.
2: And then we're good.
3: All right.
2: Right? Very cool. I never spent – I had some detention in junior high because of my big mouth. But I, I didn't spend a second <laughs> of detention in high school. I grew up just enough. Got,
1: yep, got it, got it under control. Just in That's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm. Oh. I think I'm good. I think I could actually do that.
1: Okay. Um, I, I like it. All right. All right. I, see, for me, um, I don't know. I would choose. Um... Oh boy, I um I might choose Bayside. Yeah. I might go with base. Well, eye. you, you. I think I might do, I might do okay at base. You're eye.
2: better. Yeah. You're a better groomed yeah. sort of better type for that. Yeah. Um, um, I all agree. Right. That that was tempting.
1: Yeah. What do you do? All right. Next one. You are starting your own talk show. You've been hired to host your own late night talk show.
2: Late night. Okay.
1: Well, That's yeah, a relief. we'll yeah, sure. We'll go with late night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your, your first guest is either george clooney or bill murray i'll let you answer this one first george clooney. oh no i'll let no i'll let you because maybe maybe who the whole show is i'll let you i'll give you the whole your whole show and you can decide you can mix and it, match that so one was is, easy
2: george clooney i don't want to have okay. anything to do with bill murray bill murray is yep. as big a wild card as there's ever been in the interview business okay maybe, maybe on my 90th show maybe on my 100th anniversary not on the first show do i want to be sitting next to bill murray no okay. thanks clooney he's easy He's always got something to sell.
1: He's no problem. And he's 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 pretty clever and very funny. Um, all right, first guest, George Clooney, we're over Bill Murray. Okay, your second guest, second segment.
2: Sorry if that makes me a pussy, but you guys no. we all we all love Bill Murray, but he's
1: I brought him up because he, he was, you know, he's famously the first guest that First and Last Guest Letterman ever had. That was why he popped into my head. Yeah. Um, all right. Your second guest, second segment after, after the, after the commercial break with George Clooney, you bring out your second guest and it's either football great Chris Collinsworth or football great Terry Bradshaw.
2: Chris Collinsworth. Okay. You can see already
1: how boring my show is going to be. Your musical guests. So then after your Should segment. Should I explain
2: Terry Bradshaw and Chris Collinsworth?
1: Do people well, want to I mean, hear yeah, that? Why, yeah. Why, yeah, why, why, why Chris? Terry Chris
2: Bradshaw's a clown. Yeah. He's just a big clown. He's just it, there's you can't talk football with him. You can't talk to a person that's there about their life experience because he's so shut off from who his actual self is that you're not going to get anything interesting as far as that goes. And and that's it. That's enough. There there's not a person there. There you know with Collinsworth there is. Collinsworth's more like me, so maybe again I'm choosing comfort here where I can um uh, You know, where I can get, we can talk football. He knows more about football than me. That'd be fun. I'm clever enough about it that I could ask, I think, some good questions. But Collinsworth, from a biographical standpoint, is he's an open book. He's a, he was a bit of a clown too, but he's still in touch with himself and who he is. Yeah. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, I'm going to tell you Terry Bradshaw's story, can I?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say real quick that was for me. Terry Bradshaw might be a more entertaining. Right. To the audience he's uh, the richard the simmons audience. guest
2: that where he just takes over the segment and you just gotta
1: you gotta ride cross it your and legs and let him keep tossing up stuff for him to right. to be goofy about yeah, but uh, what but uh, caring, my yeah. late
2: night show joel is going to be at least occasionally substantive
1: well that's what i what do you do that's what right. i needed to know
2: yes yeah. if if it's if i'm choosing um, Terry Bradshaw's an interesting story. He, there, there was a journalist when he was a rookie for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bradshaw's from Louisiana. I want to say originally, yeah,
1: I think that's right. Yeah. Same as that or Mississippi,
2: Yeah, somewhere down there. Same as Brett Favre's from Mississippi. I think Joe Namath's from that area. He, he was a big, um, he was a, you know, big time recruit and draft pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this Journalists came to hang out with him and do this sort of week in the life of uh, Terry Bradshaw, and they, they he hung out with him all week. They uh, and it was a crazy week. Bradshaw was still this kid from down south, this good old boy. When he had a free moment, they, they him and this journalist went on this road trip to this huge like party on a farm that he'd heard about, and they just partied all night for like a whole. 24 hour period and hung out. They did this, they had this adventure together. It was this sort of fascinating thing at the time in the, whatever it was, the late sixties. I mean, the writer couldn't really write about any of that. He was like, yeah, yeah. Then he goes to practice and this is what he thinks about that. But that same guy came to him up to Bradshaw cause they were in this, some uh, award ceremony or something together. It's like five years later or so he came up to him and Terry didn't even recognize him. Didn't even know who he was. <laughs> Terry Bradshaw was not capable of it's weird that he's a big media superstar because he was not capable of handling the media the media killed that spirit of a person inside him killed it dead to the point that he was only he was just a performer for the rest of his life and he still is yeah i found that when i read that article and i'm paraphrasing a lot of it and probably getting some details wrong but but it, it's just the story that I read from this journalist, and it, it's heartbreaking. And it actually, when I whenever I see Bradshaw on TV now, I just see this this sad thing, and it, it brings me no joy whatsoever. I, you know, I, he's mm-hmm. been because he's not what he is, and he's been, and every that's what everyone wants. It's just a sad clown that like do a dance for me, you know, and he yeah. just does it, you know, so that he mm-hmm. doesn't have to engage with reality in any sort of way i just find that super tragic so maybe i should have him on the show but at the same time i don't want to well, kick I a puppy mean, either you know yeah. just let him be at this point
1: <laughs> Yep. okay okay so you're and now your musical guest
2: you, you get <laughs> sorry to for these between... i find that story interesting so maybe the audience is, does yeah too. it's hard to say
1: uh your musical guest is either my friend the chocolate cake or not drowning waving Ha
2: <laughs> which <laughs> which lost Australian chamber pop band do I want to reunite for my show? That's impossible. Well, you can
1: either you can either the beauty of it is that
2: they, they share be... they share two or three members between them. They're the same That's band true. essentially. That
1: is true. Yeah. Uh,
2: so I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with my friend the Chocolate Cake for because I think the the strings and the percussion, they write, I think songs that are more fun. Uh, the, gu- the not drowning, waving quit because the guitar player founding member, like is, has terrible stage fright. and doesn't like doing things like that.
3: Mm.
2: So I'm not going to force him to show up on my show either. John Phillips. God bless. Uh, check, check those bands out. If check you've those never bands heard of out. Them. My
1: friend of the chocolate cake and not drowning, waving. Very fun. They're both
2: driven by the songwriting and singing and piano playing of a guy named David Bridey. They're both Australian bands, uh, not drowning wavings from the early early, late eighties to mid nineties. And they're very sort of like alternative world music. If you want to say catchy songs, but very politically driven and very serious and, and lots of soundscapes and stuff and multiple percussion instruments and collaborations with the, the artists of Papua New Guinea. And you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. that sort of Peter Gabriel pretensions that are lovely, but they still are, they're not kind of Australian folk band at heart. So they still, the songs are very earthy or whatever. My friend, the chocolate cake, sort of a vacation from that idea. It's the same songs, but it's cello and, and, um, viola and mandolin. And it's very, very folky, and it's, they certainly have their serious moments, but they're a more joyful, fun act. And I love them both equally. And Joel knows that. And that's yes. why he's stuck that question to me. But
1: So tune in to Ryan's talk show with his first guest, George Clooney, Chris Collinsworth, and my friend, the chocolate cake. <laughs> love it. That sounds right. like a good show, doesn't it? I, hey, I'd watch that. Uh, what do you do? Okay, so next one up is... Um, So you're under attack by an intergalactic threat and your only choice is to leave the planet. And when you go to the local starship shop, you choose either Serenity, the Serenity ship, uh, the Firefly ship Serenity, Slave One, Mm. the Palomino, since we were talking about the Black Hole. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the eagle five
2: which is the from space
1: 1999 yep okay the gunstar from the last starfighter oh thunderbird three from go thunderbirds okay or the narcissus which was the uh shuttle that from the nostromo it's uh, it's
2: the tugboat part of the nostromo not the the, refinery part
1: correct the tugboat part so so serenity slave one the palomino the eagle five the gunstar thunderbird three that's way too many
2: by the way okay the, our first lesson of this segment is
1: too many and I can't even rem- I can't even remember more
2: than four or five. Okay,
1: that's it. That said, well, it was, that it said was, it we can really eliminate fun. a bunch of
2: these right away. It was
1: really fun listing them, <laughs> thinking of these. <laughs> well, like, they're oh, all con- God, ship! Oh, you they're know, all know
2: awesome, aren't they? And I was
1: like I can't put let's one get one rid of the ones with
2: or no or artificial gravity right away, okay. okay Palomino okay. out. Palomino out. Uh, the last starfighter ship is out yep, and there's really not room in that. nor is there much room in Slave one. So let's get rid of that. But okay. slave one's pretty cool. Pretty but I don't easy. like the idea of. I like my ship to have a, what approximates a top and a bottom. And slave one lands one way, flies another. That makes it, it, is
1: it an awkward ship. Yep.
2: It's just a bit. It's it's cool, but it's I'm gonna say no. Uh, so that leaves uh, Narcissus or the Narcissus the, Thunderbird the, three. Let's get rid of Thunderbird 3.
1: Okay. The, the Eagle 5 or Serenity?
2: Unless I can live on Thunderbird 3 as a real person with puppet hands.
1: Ooh, I like that.
2: But let's just let's put that in a holding pattern for now. Okay. And not, not the other way around. I do not want to be a puppet with human hands, Joel
1: well no i can't i cannot stress that enough very few people would choose that i think no
2: so so i'm inclined to say no to that but there maybe there's some options there i don't know about i'd have to talk to the sales guy um so that doesn't leave hardly any it leaves the narcissus and the serenity serenity. so it's got to be serenity serenity feels like home narcissus feels like you're a piece of dog food that's been packed away for a long voyage to nowhere
1: Sure. But it is reliable. Whereas serenity.
2: Yeah. Serenity has its problems. Yep, That's for sure. Um, Okay. But maybe I'll be more enterprising. I'm more of a go along to get along guy. Maybe if I can just, you know, work, work a little more hand in hand with the, the, uh, uh, you know, the authorities of the day, which I, I think I'm capable of doing. I'm a diplomat. Yeah. And maybe I can, Make a little more money, keep keep it in better repair, let's hope.
1: There you go. There you go.
2: Um okay And all I gotta do if I want that that narcissist, quiet, empty feel, I just get rid of all my friends and get one of those uh dunking uh, giraffe like things that so there's some movement on the ship even if I'm mm-hmm. not there. I'm also allergic yep. to cats, so
1: yeah. Well, yeah. It does not say it comes with cat. I could, have, I could have put that in there. No, but but the just, but the cat
2: just lived there for a long time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's true.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so There's that, no getting carpet that cat, in there, but you, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, getting cat dander out of the, out of the, yeah, out of the <laughs> gears. It's maybe.
2: still a, it's not a deal breaker, but it's a consideration.
1: All right. Yeah. yeah that's absolutely right. right. Okay. Uh, we're good on time. So I have two more and we're going to roll with them. Okay. Sweet. Um, I'm glad I told my Terry
2: Bradshaw story.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know everyone else is too. So you wake up in a room uh, that you've never been in before. Okay. After showering, you find several outfits laid out for you. (laughs) Which do you put on? What do you do? The Luke Skywalker Bespin outfit. Uh, the Captain Malcolm's, uh, Malcolm Reynolds outfit complete with brown coat. Tony and, uh, Manero, Tony nice. Manero's white suit from Saturday Night Fever. Jeans with a jean jacket and puffy vest, a la Marty McFly, or a Tupa.
3: From uh, Defending Your
1: Life. What do you do? Yeah.
2: That's a tough one. It is a tough one. Well, I'm not wearing that white suit.
1: I didn't. Uh, yeah, it it, t- it And would I, a special... I wouldn't look.
2: I wouldn't look good in the beige. uh been uh,
1: outfit the, the, for the, Luke
2: Skywalker. Yeah. Han Solo's. I would try and wear with the jacket and everything. That's a little darker.
1: Which but, is uh, why that did not make the list because it's like, too
2: easy, right? Because Ryan would look stripes, like, you, South out, good in pants. There.
1: I'm like you would look good in that, so I can't. not <laughs> so make, make it that, that easy. I can't make it that easy. Fair enough.
2: Uh, but yeah, that I like the pockets. Like those would come in handy. There's a ton of pockets on the looks. Yeah. You know, we never see them go in there for anything, but that, <laughs> that'd be okay. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
2: but no, I'm gonna have to say no to tan. Uh, the the I wouldn't. Uh, I'm having a hard time getting over the fact that I woke up in a strange room and just quick took a shower. Like that's not and the first thing yeah. I would do.
1: Well, I mean, you looked around, you did. I'm just saying, uh, you know, at whatever point you decided to take a shower, you came back out and suddenly there were these outfits for you.
2: And nothing else, presumably. I didn't have any, yeah. I don't have any other choices. So
1: no. Yeah. So
2: I don't think Marty McFly is my style. I I wish, I wish I was, but I'm not. Uh, that I'm, I'm probably the, 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 uh, thug that wears the 3d glasses. That's more my,
3: <laughs> my, would be my role in
2: that film. Um, so it wouldn't be him. Then that leaves ch- ch-
1: ch- Captain the brown Mal coat. Reynolds or the I'm brown trying coat. not to
2: repeat my answers, but what's my other option? There was one other or one. Or a Tupa. Oh, a Tupa. Wow. Geez. I'm not too rowdy, and I wouldn't damage the Tupa. The Tupa.
1: I don't think you would. And I got to say, not a lot of people can pull off a Tupa, but I sort of feel like you can.
2: I got a bit of a gut. But, but so maybe the Tupa Albert, would be so flattering to me.
1: Yeah, I think a Tupa might be flattering on you. I'm just and
2: saying. I'm gonna, I really like that red tailcoat with the mm-hmm. brown pants and the low slung holster. You know that? Yeah. Again, that's who we wish we were, right? But yeah. Tupa's you know, one purpose.
1: It's gotta be comfortable.
2: It's gotta be super comfortable. So I, I guess I'll go with the Tupa. Yeah.
1: I yeah. think you'd look at in the Tupa. I hope so. Uh, Cause Marty if I McFly.
2: don't.
3: Ugh.
1: Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd Marty McFly that thing. Which, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Again, yeah, be, that'd be yeah. good for
2: you. I wish I had, I feel like I don't have some of those options. I think you could, mm-hmm. you can do the Luke Skywalker
1: thing too. Oh, uh, I don't know if I could do that, but yes, yeah.
2: you totally could. Um, Okay, last you one You totally could do that That's what's frustrating uh, I'm know. like, well, the Tupa or some other Tupa I, I gotta say, options. though,
1: when if I were to look at it, I'd go I might, I might look at my options going, that's cool uh, That'd be kind of cool, that'd be fun to wear But then I'd go Or, or maybe like uh, later in the afternoon, I'd be like, yeah, this was a mistake I'm changing into the Tupa Yeah
2: well, assuming they don't take away whatever you don't choose. That's true.
1: Yeah, and and that would be a risk that I'd have to take, I suppose. And that's where the tupa
2: is a risk because if you if you really hate it and you get stuck in the tupa is uh it's like a cross between a kimono and a bathrobe,
1: essentially, yeah. For
2: people who don't know, and it does look comfortable, but you they and the and our heroes do look pretty good in them, but there are plenty of people wandering around the afterlife who do not look good in Tupas.
1: Yeah. Well, and as Bob I would diamond- not want
2: to be one of those guys.
1: Yeah. Bob diamond says not everybody can pull those off. Mm-mm. Yep. So, um, all right. Last one. What do you do? Ryan, mm. your troops, your troops are tired yet. They are still determined. You are route. You rouse them up with a speech before leading them. Uh, leading them on a charge at the enemy. Do you end your speech with the force will be with you always? Or do you end it with by Grabthar's hammer, you will be avenged? (laughs) Do you end your speech with freedom? Or do you end it with This I have a lot of these. And or do you end it with, (laughs) and you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee, or do you end it with, by Grabthar's hammer, what a savings, (laughs) (laughs) or do you end it with, I am Andrew Shepard and I am the president.
2: Hmm. (laughs) Those are my choices, huh? Those
1: are your choices. May the force the force will be with you always. Well, let's get like rid of grab, the
2: ones that have to do with vengeance. I have no vengeance right. in my heart.
1: So, by Grabthar's hammer you will be avenged is He's out. Is out.
2: And uh, uh
1: you my I, I lay my vengeance upon thee will be out. Right.
2: Uh So that leaves the
1: force will be with you, freedom, by Grabthar's hammer what a savings. I, I
2: can't pull off freedom.
1: <laughs> yeah, so no let's drop that one. Freedom would be tough. Uh the They'll force will be with take you always. Our by grab Freedom. <laughs> by grab thar's what a savings and yeah, yeah, yeah. i am andrew shepherd and i am the president
2: i'm not andrew shepherd and i'm not the president <laughs> that one sucks because it's yeah that's awesome but it's not gonna go i think well.
1: delivered appropriate you know delivered with the right amount of verve i think <laughs> I, I think your troops would go along with it i'm just saying yeah but uh, you think
2: back that's that is a that's an all caps clincher. It deserves it to be on this list, Joel, so I'm not ripping mm-hmm. on, but it's it's relatively underplayed by the cat in question, and I, yeah you know if I'm gonna underplay something and break out my new heart impression for a rousing speech, it's got to be by grab Thar's hammer, what a savings <laughs> like I feel I'm ideally suited, maybe not as good as Rickman to read it but. <laughs> But oh, I love it. Like it's, love it. I can do. Force will be with you always. That's just the that b- brilliance of that is it's just completely generic and meaningless enough that just about <laughs> anybody could do it. I mean, that's the brilliance <laughs> of it. Truly, it's it's like yeah. you you it means nothing, and yet it, the it, the meaning of, of it comes across and how you do it. And so mm-hmm. I like that one. But what a savings! Really, it's some mm-hmm. good deals. Yeah, and there's no point and in it, denying it as, just because you, our like, dignity is at stake.
1: Mm-hmm. And we will charge forward. We will defeat the enemy by Grabthar's hammer. What a savings! All right, that's gonna do it for. What do you do? Yeah, that's right. Not bad. So I hope that was enjoyable for the listener. I, I had, had a lot of fun. fun. So I, I had hope a lot to... of fun putting it together. So yeah, you can
2: write us and tell us no more of those or yeah, I do. think.
1: But even if you say no, I have a feeling you're going to get some. Maybe not as long, <laughs> maybe not as long of a segment as that. But uh, I might have a few of those in my back pocket. Maybe maybe this out.
2: this A segment becomes a, a future B segment.
1: I think this is yeah, this is definitely a future B segment uh, possibility. So it's it was um, that was
2: fun. We had no good ideas for a show. We had a recent show And we show both of ours were crazy and, busy
1: this past week. And, and, so uh, this, was,
2: yeah. this was this was this was fun. We got to talk about some other topical things, which is also fun.
1: Um, and you know, and I think we had some good answers. I think you, you gave some well thought out, well reasoned answers.
2: Well, your questions were designed for me to cast myself in these situations. And if I'm going to do that, I, I really do, do look at myself like a, yeah, you're, you can run this by Jen and see if she thinks it's true, but I really do run it. You know, I've gone through several different types of for casting agents throughout the years and the type I am now or the type I was in mm-hmm. high school, you know, you just have to. Yep. Uh, it's a good thing for an actor to be able to do, to look in the mirror and see how other people see mm-hmm. you. I know that's not popular from a Facebook meme standpoint where you're supposed to not care how anybody else sees you. Cause only what you think about you is important. It's true. But I sadly don't subscribe to that. I think that's an asinine way to go through life. I think, having some awareness pulling your head out of your own ass and recognizing how people respond to things you do is sort of important
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's a little thing uh, here at the movie show with joel and ryan we call and i think it's always good
1: yeah i think it's always good to ask what do you do
2: so it's good keep um, those
1: hypotheticals coming Indeed. All right. all right, folks. That's going to do it for us for this week. Uh, thank you all so much. You can reach out to us once again at the Movie Show with Joel and Ryan Page on Facebook at Ask Joel and Ryan on Instagram and Twitter, and Ask Joel and Ryan at Gmail. If it's Instagram. not obvious, we need you more than ever. Please and reach out. And if you're out. watching this on YouTube, click subscribe. You can do watch it. us here every week. Absolutely. Um, all right. Take care, everybody.
2: We uh, love bye. you all. Not equally. We love you all, some more than others. It's. To some degree, we love you all. And it's important to say that every once in a while.
0: Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.